Hey, everybody. Yeah? Did you guys have an awesome, awesome day? Good, good, good. I hope you guys are having uh, the best time at camp. I really do. It looks like you guys are having so much fun. Uh, it was cool. I just got to hang out with your youth pastors, and they're the coolest, okay? <laughs> they're like so super cool. So it was great hanging out with them. It's been so much fun for me to be able to teach, and I hope that we're all learning and growing together. I hope your times in the cabin have been a time where you've been able to like listen to the Word of God, go, man, what's going on here? And then be able to talk about it. That's the cool thing. You know, that's a really cool thing about the church is the, the way that the Bible describes it is we're a body with many different parts, which means we all work together. And so what's awesome is when you guys come together as a church, as a cabin, and you talk things out, something really beautiful happens when you do that. So if you've been like that kid, like kind of holding back, like I got stuff to say, say it and get it out. Like it's important. We all need to hear it. We can all help one another. And so those cabin times, those times where you guys can get together are really, really important. And I hope as we've been diving into John, you've been learning a whole bunch. We're going to be in John 14. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John 14, verse 1. Uh, I went to probably maybe, I don't know, a year and a half ago, a year ago, I went to a soccer game. Some friends of ours are huge soccer people. How many of you are huge soccer people? Anybody big soccer people? Represent. All right. Big soccer people. Okay. So these people, uh, these people are like huge soccer people. They're all about it. And so they invited us. We live in Phoenix. They invited us to a Grand Canyon soccer game, which apparently Grand Canyon is pretty cool. My son actually goes to Grand Canyon. Uh, and so that we went to a Grand Canyon soccer game. And it was like, it was pretty epic. Honestly, the game was really incredible. GCU uh, uh, kind of went, it kind of went back and forth. The goalie from GCU was like outrageous, like so good. He was diving and blocking goals. So anyway, they're like, I think GCU is, GCU is up by like 3-2. The other team has the ball. I think there's like 45 seconds left on the clock. This is the opposing team's final drive. To, to kind of make something happen. So they drive it down and they kick it, uh, the opposite team. And the goalie does this like diving, crazy, acrobatic, swats the ball. The crowd's like, whoa, everyone's going crazy. It was amazing. We're all pumped on that. The ball goes back to the offense, then crosses the field again. And all of a sudden we see like them kick it towards the goal. And then this guy takes off and the goalie punches it out. We're like, whoa, it was like this huge play. The clock's winding down and everyone's freaking out. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh no. And then all of a sudden, I'm not even kidding. All we heard was like, oh, like gasping, people gasping. And then people started crying and we were like, what is happening? And the goalie is laid out on the field. And we're in the crowd, like we can't do anything. Everyone's looking around going, what's going on? All the, t the players are walking up and they're like weeping. They're like crying. We're like, what is happening? And then they start like, all the team members start getting, getting together in, 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 like, in like groups and they're, we can hear them praying. The team, the opposite team is like praying. We're in the audience and we're like, what is happening? What is going on? On. His mom runs down. You can just hear her going, oh no, oh no. I mean, and we just sat there just with what is happening. No, and we didn't, where's help? 
not knowing what is going on. It was just this feeling of helplessness for this young man who's laid out in the field. We don't know if he's dead. We don't know what's going on, but he's laid out on the field. We're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? What just happened? You know, we started all the way back. Remember that? Remember Sunday? All the way back on Sunday, we started back all the way on Sunday, and we just said, whoa, we got to get to the beginning, right? Didn't we have to get to the beginning? And in the beginning, we learned what? Truth exists. Why? Because God exists, and truth moved into the neighborhood, right? The person of Jesus. God moved into the neighborhood through his son, Jesus, and then we started learning, like, wait a second. There is a book called the Bible that is truth. If God is truth and truth exists because God exists and God writes a book, which is literally what it means in the Latin book, right? The Bible means book, then it's truthful and we need, it's authoritative because it's from God and we need to live that way. And then we're like, wait a second, Jesus is living truth. And so we watch what living truth does as it interacts with people. We saw the woman at the well, right? And we went, oh my gosh, it's mind blowing how he just loved her and cared for her. Even though the Jews hated her and hated the Samaritans, he loved her and he called her out on her sin, didn't he? He didn't let her get away with the fact that she's been kind of messing around. No, he called her out on her sin. And then he said, listen, I'm the one you've been looking for. And then she ran into the village and said, listen, I gotta tell you about somebody who knew everything about me. And last night we had this poor woman. And remember I told you like, I feel for this woman because I see my mom in her. And I, and I know what it was like. I watched people and what they said about my mom because she was an adulterer. And everybody wanted, and the Pharisees were using her. Everybody's using this woman. And she stands in condemnation because of her sin. Because of her sin. And the religious want to go, oh, well, don't we do this? Don't we do this? Right? We go, oh, there's bad people and there's good people. Thank goodness I'm one of the good ones. Shame on us. No. All of us are sinful. There is none righteous, no, not one. But what does Jesus do? He forgives. Not to say that sin doesn't matter, to say, no, his grace is sufficient and it covers a, multiple, a multitude of sins. It shows us how grace-filled and how wonderful and how kind Jesus is. And he's fulfilling, by the way, if you read through the gospels, he's fulfilling these prophecies. He's fulfilling this truth. As if to say to you and to me, I am who I say I am, and I will do what I'll say that I am doing. Now we're in a place in scripture where we call it the upper, the upper room discourse. This is a place where we're heading towards the cross. And John does such a great job of elaborating on the upper room discourse. And he has this moment right here in chapter 14 that I think is really, really important and can help us get an understanding of what it is that Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand and help us understand. Are you with me? Give me thumbs up. You with me? Okay, here we go. John 14, verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled. The reason why their hearts were troubled is because Jesus just said, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And they're like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to die. But don't worry, I'm going to resurrect but they were stuck on the die part because the resurrecting part didn't make any sense in their brain. They're like, no, no, you can't die. You're the Messiah. Like it doesn't work that way. That does, and he said, listen, let not your hearts 
be troubled. Here's what he says to the disciples, and he says to you and to me, believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will, again come, I will come again and I will take you, take you to myself where I am and you will be also. And you will know that the way where I am going. Thomas said, you remember, Thomas is known as what? Anybody know? Doubting Thomas, right? Thomas is always a cynic. He's always a little bit skeptical. I don't know if any of you in the room are a little bit like that. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back the train up. I got some questions. That's Thomas. And by the way, Jesus isn't like, Thomas, shut your mouth. No, he's like, Thomas, come on, what you got? So Thomas is like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got some stuff to talk about. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Great question, Thomas. Thank you for asking. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one means what? No one. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through me. Jesus starts off by saying, hey, listen, don't worry. You all need to relax. But here's what. You have become really good at believing in God. Like, they believed in Yahweh. They believed in, in all that was written in the Old Testament from Genesis, right, all the way through to the prophets, right? They believed in that and affirmed that. They believed in Yahweh. But he says this, and this is really important. You believe in God Believe in me. In fact, what he's been preaching up to this point is the Father and I are, anybody know, are one. Are one. So he's saying, I know you believe in Yahweh, but you need to believe that I am word become flesh and I moved into the neighborhood. And the disciples are still struggling with this after everything they've seen and experienced with Jesus. I wonder if maybe you experienced that. Oh yeah, God, he's great. Have you really received Jesus and affirmed him as Lord and Savior of your life? This is what he says to the disciples. I and the Father are one. By the way, it's why they want to kill him. They consider him a heretic. If you remember in this morning's drama, like the, he was, this was the case that was being brought against him as if he was a heretic and they wanted to murder him for that. So for him to say that was to say that with authority. I am God. And then he says this, and I love this transition in, chapter, in verses two and three. He says, and there are many rooms where I am going. I love that. Do you know this? This is so cool. There is an open door to heaven. Do you know that the Lord loves inviting people in to his presence? And he's like, listen, there are rooms and rooms full for people who confess me as Lord and Savior to come be and participate in eternity with me. And I want you with me and I'm coming back, but I'm preparing a place for you. In Revelation 3 verse 20, he's talking to the church of Laodicea. And he says this, and I think it's so relevant. I want you to pick up on this because I think it'll challenge some of the things that a lot of students have in their minds about God. And he says this, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he 
with me. I want you to learn something here. God is not like a CIA operative who's kicking in the door of your heart. I'm coming in. I'm invading your soul, right? That's not who he is. Some of you have that in your brain, like he's this angry God going, I'm coming to get you, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna kick in the door. No, 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 what does he do? Listen to this. Knock, knock, knock. Here's the question for you. Are you listening? Can you feel that? Maybe this week, the spirit of the living God just knock, knock, knock. And what does he wanna be doing? Hey, I want to come in. Why? Well, I got all this place. I've created all of eternity to join in relationship with you. That's always been the goal from Genesis to Revelation. It's a declaration to bridge the gap between what was good and wrong and now make it good again because God is good and he's truthful and we've established that, right? And he will do what he said he would do. And he said he would make a way back for us to be reunited with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he is knocking at the door of our hearts. Where are you at? Where are you at? So many people are just ignoring this prompt from the Spirit of God to welcome Welcome, and he welcomes us into eternity. William Barclay is one of my favorite theologians, and he says this, heaven is where Jesus is. Heaven is the state where we will always be with Jesus. I don't know what comes into your mind when you think of heaven, but I hope it's Jesus. His presence, his love, his mercy, his kindness, his care, his truthfulness, the fact that he can be depended upon. That's what heaven is. And he's like, I've got a whole, I've got rooms full of it for you. Rooms full of those who want to say, I want Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. And then he transitions into one of the most epic statements I believe in scripture. One of the most epic statements epic expressions of all that he is. He says this to the disciples, and he says this to you and I right now. I am. And if you're reading this, and you're a Jew, you're like, whoa, wait a second, I've heard this before, because all the back, all the way back with Moses, Moses goes before God and says, God, who will I tell them sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you. I am that I am. Jesus is like, I'm the fulfillment of all of that. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep that want to find me. I want to lead them and care for them and protect them. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. You know, Psalms 23.1 says about the good shepherd that you shall not want. Think about that. Think about how much want we have in our world for all the things that are sucking the life out of your soul. But when you follow the good shepherd, he goes, you shall not want. Why? What happens? Oh, we can find peace in the presence of our enemies. Actually, it says he lays out a banquet table in, the, in front of our enemy. We're just chowing down all the culture wars, all the craziness that's going on. COVID's going around. We're like, it's okay. I'm just chilling. 
I'm chilling because he's my good shepherd and he cares for me. He provides for me. Even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. This is what he says right here. I'm the good shepherd. And he says this, I am the true vine. You know what that means? It means he wants to nourish you. He wants to care for you. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you peace that passes and all understanding that in the midst of your hardest turmoils in your life, that he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be connected to me. He says, abide in me in John 15 and I'll abide in you. He goes, I don't want you to just follow me. I want union with you. I want deep and intimate relationship with you because I want you to produce joy and love and fruit. And it's going to fulfill you, but it's going to also just get all over everybody else. It's gonna, you're going to be a witness and a care for everybody else. That's good news. And Jesus is like, that's who I am. He goes, I am and I am the way. He says, I am the way. Do you know, right before all this happens, how many of you have ever heard of Palm Sunday? Ever heard of Palm Sunday? Okay, you know, if you go to church at all, they got palm branches, all the little kids make those things. They make crosses out of, you know, the whole thing. Well, here's the interesting thing about Palm Sunday is it's actually a really painful time as well. Because while the people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Glory to God in the highest. What they're really saying is, we want you to be what we want you to be. We want you to be the Messiah that we want. We want you to fit in our box, because guess what? A week later, does anybody know what they're saying? Crucify him. Crucify him. You didn't turn out to be the way I wanted you to be. I thought you were going to be a Messiah that was going to reestablish the people of Israel and make my life better. And you disappointed me. Crucify him. Isn't that interesting? You know, in Matthew, it says this about the way. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Maybe you've heard this before, but I want you to hear it again for the first time. Enter by the narrow gate. There are two paths here which means there's a decision for every person in this room to make. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the easy, that is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it, by the way, just in case you're wondering, are many. For the gate, is na- for the gate that is narrow is the, is the way that is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Here's what Jesus is saying, I'm the way. Follow me. But the way I am going, not many want to go. Because wouldn't you agree, our culture, they want to tell you to be an influencer. They want to tell you that as long as you've got a bunch of friends on Instagram, if you're TikToking or whatever you're doing these days, that that's going to make your life happy. That's going to, you know how many people think and live that way? Maybe it's you. Oh, that, that road is wide. So many of you are trying to get acceptance that way, hoping that it'll validate your existence. And what you don't realize is it's bringing destruction on your hearts and your souls. There's a very real reason why anxiety is off the charts, depression is off the charts, suicide is off the charts, is because you're on the wrong path. And Jesus is like this, hey, come with me come with me. He never promises an easy path. 
But here's what he does promise. He promises, I am the way. And I will be with you on the path. And I never said it was going to be easy. Isn't it interesting? If you're trying to get followers, don't you think you would say, my path's easy. Come on. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Let me go show you what the way looks like. Because what the way looks like is now he gets betrayed by one of his own. He now gets put in chains by centurions and brought before, wrongly brought, illegally brought before the Sanhedrin to be falsely accused of things he never did. He's like, I'm the way. Watch the way that I do things. Follow my way. Do you know what's interesting? He doesn't tell us about the way. He just says this, I am the way. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? I'm the way. Follow me. Follow me. I'm the way. Go where I go. I told you about my mom yesterday. Anybody remember that story about my mom? Yeah? (coughs) My mom legitimately left. Mom had been a Christian her whole life. And she, as she recounts her own story, says, I just walked away from the Lord. I started doing what I wanted to do. And just in case you're wondering what that's called, I just wanted to live out my truth. And my truth didn't live with your father. And my truth didn't live with you kids. And so what I did is I moved down to South Carolina, or North Carolina at the time, with the man I had an affair on. And she set up a whole new life. And she talks about her journey back to Jesus. She said she started meeting with someone and they started walking her through a journey and and making her write things out. And she said, I remember what I had to write down was this. Linda, write down what you perceive that God says about you. And my mom says she wrote down on a piece of paper, I am loved. I am loved. And she just wept and she repented before God. And she repented before us kids. She repented to my father. And he's like, welcome home. Welcome home. Because she decided to stop going after her truth, her way, and started to follow God's way. And I wonder for so many of you, if you just started just running after your truth, your feelings, your emotions, and it's just this wide path, as opposed to going, I want to follow Jesus I want to follow him. He is truth in flesh. What is Jesus doing? What is he calling me to do? And he says this, I'm the way, I am the truth. Here's the thing, I am the truth. I am the truth. This is what he's been saying. This is what we've been learning all week long. I am the truth. And as he's falsely brought, falsely accused, he stands before Pilate. In John 18, verses 37 and 38, this is our theme verse for the whole week. Then Pilate said to him, by the way, just in case you're wondering Pilate's tone, very sarcastic through this whole thing. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king, Jesus answered. And you can hear Jesus' humble, humble tone. I I hope you can hear his humble tone. And I just want you to understand that Pilate is talking to God. And he's mocking him. So, uh, so you're the king. And Jesus answered just so humbly. 
You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate says, well, then what is truth? And Jesus says, doesn't say this, but this is what he does with his actions. As he shows him what truth looks like, that he will do what he said he will do. This uh, theologian, Tenney, says this, he made an appeal to Pilate, not for acquittal or mercy, He didn't go before Pilate and go, please spare my life. Please, I've been falsely accused. Please don't do that to me. Please, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. Please, just have mercy. Does he do that? No. This is what he pleads to Pilate. Recognize the truth. The truth is this. The truth is I'm going to do what I said I would do. I'm going to fulfill the will of my father. Truth became flesh and moved forward in the mission that God had called him to, which was a rescue mission for you and me. Rescue mission for the whole world. He's not pleading for his life. He's pleading for ours. That's why he is the truth. All truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And being the truth meant this, is that Jesus would leave this place. And then he was beaten, whipped with a cat of nine tails, which would latch onto your skin and rip out flesh. They put a crown of thorns on his head to mock him. They wrapped a robe around him that stuck to the open wound and then called him to carry his own cross down the Via Della Rosa on the way to Golgotha. They mocked at him. They spit at him. This is what truth does because he's going to do what he said he was going to do. He's going to be faithful to move forward in the plan that he and the Father have put forth since the beginning of time, knowing that we would screw it up, knowing that we would fail, knowing that we would sin and mock him, and they mocked him. That's what they did. We mocked him. Look at this joker. He can't even take care of himself. Come on, call down some angels to rescue you, oh powerful king, how we mock him how we mock him with the way we live our lives. We think we're so strong, we think we're so smart, we think we have it all together. We're just mocking, right? Mocking his gracious and goodness. Mocking him. Then, they nail him on a cross between two criminals. And he has the audacity to forgive one of the criminals, invite him into heaven. This guy's done nothing to deserve that, but that's who he is. This guy's pleading for his life and pleading to go to heaven, living a life of sin his whole life, and Jesus says, I'll see you there, buddy. Why? I got homes, I got rooms for people like you. For people who will confess that they need a savior, I got rooms for it. 
And as he cries out in pain to the father, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't forget, he says, have mercy on them, God. They do not know what they do. Why? Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. John 10.10 says this, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came to receive this from God tonight. I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. Your life on, on this earth is just a snapshot of what a beautiful eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we have just established that he is truth and that he said he would do what he would do and he died on a cross for you and for me and he said he's preparing a place for you and I to spend an eternity forever with him so you can believe that when he says, I have come to bring you life and life to the full. It came at a great cost, but he will do what he says he will do to those of you who confess him as Lord and Savior. But here's the thing I need you to understand, and this is so hard for our heads to get around, but I'm hoping that the Spirit of God will speak to you tonight. In order for there to be life and life to the full, there has to be death. There has to. There has to be a punishment for sin, a payment and Jesus was that payment. First John 2, 2 says, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the, listen to this, whole world, past, present, and future. Jesus stands in your place. Why? Because he said he would. And we've just established this whole week that he will do what he says he will do. And he has bridged us back to the heart of the Father, not only through his death, but also through his resurrection power. Listen to this. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow, the truth in which thou must believe, the life which thou must hope. This is why Jesus died, because we could not do it on our own, and he is our perpetuation, our payment. He, he took our place, your place, because he said he would. And he, and he, did, and he does what he says he will do. And then he ends verse 6 by saying this. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. None of us. We, we talked about this yesterday, right? That we are not good. There, there is none righteous, no night one. The wages of sin is death. And the question is like, what wages of sin is death. Th that sounds really scary. But, right? There's this really beautiful conjunction. But... The gift of God. What is the gift of God? The fact that he just died. Not only did he just die, but he rose from the grave to defeat death is the gift of life. Which transitions us to what? John 3, 16, for God. Where? God. What? For God. For God has always existed. He's always been. For God. What did he do? So loved the world. He loves you. He sees you. Cares for you. For God so loved 
the world. For God so loved you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and all of you, God so loved the world that what did he do? He sent his only son as a propitiation, as a payment. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that, here's the important part, whosoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. I can't tell you how helpless we all felt sitting in those soccer stands. For, and I'm not even kidding, 30 minutes, we waited for someone to come and help. We're waiting around going, where is the ambulance? Where is the help? Nothing. And so it's just complete silence and everyone just keeps looking around. The paramedics or, or the, 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 like the, 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 um, the, the college like paramedics are around him like trying to see what's going on and they just keep going like this to people and people are running over. The crowd has no idea what's going on and we're freaking out and we're like, where is how, where are the ambulances? Why haven't they showed up? We feeling completely and utterly helpless and we can't do anything to help this kid, but something is really wrong. And all of a sudden, at the opposite end of the field, we see the paramedics roll up and they stop, their truck stops at the edge of the field. And they get out and they just start doing this. They just walk. They start walking on the field like this. We've been sitting for 30 minutes going, where is help? Some dude from the crowd yells, run! You need to run. And then the whole crowd that's been waiting around for help to come in goes, run. You need to run. He could be dead. He needs help. Run. And so all of a sudden they start running. Here's what I need you to know. God did not wait around. He ran to you. When you were hurting, in your time of need, your sin that is a multitude He came to you, he saw you, he rescued you. You did nothing to deserve it, but out of his love and and grace and mercy, he covers your sins. How silly would it be for that kid on a soccer field to go, I got this. He's incapable of it. He has to allow these men to pick him up and take him away. And he almost died, but didn't. They rescued him. They saved his life. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians. It's become just such an anchor passage for me. And it says this, for our sake, I want you to hear this, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become, listen, the righteousness of God. Where we used to be enemies of God, we are now sons and daughters of the most high God. He sees us as sinless because he only sees Jesus. He sees what Jesus has done. He doesn't see our depravity. He doesn't see that pain. He doesn't see that deep, dark secret that you have in your soul When you confess with your mouth that he is faithful and just to forgive us your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, he just sees Jesus' sacrifice. And I want you to know this. 
Jesus did what he said he would do. He died for the sins of the world because he is the way, the truth, and the light. He rose from the dead because death can't even hold him down to say to all of us, welcome into eternity. Welcome into life and life to the full. But what he invites us into is so important. We have to confess. We have to confess him as Lord, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as the one who saved our lives. We have to acknowledge the fact that we are sinners in need of saving. Remember that story last night? That guy woke up not knowing that he would need to be saved. Many of you didn't realize coming up to camp that you had a significant sin problem, all of you, and that you would need saving. And the only one who can do that is the only one who is truly truthful. It's Jesus, and he did what he said he would do. So what I would encourage you to do tonight, and I believe this with all of my heart, because of the word of God, we've established that it's truthful, and it says that the spirit of God, that the word of God does not return void, which means he's speaking to your hearts right now. And what I want to encourage you to do right now, where are you at? Are you tired of playing a game? I'm talking to you students who have never made a confession to follow after Jesus. Are you tired of doing it on your own? Have you finally come to the end of yourself? Are you tired of giving in to what the world says is going to fill you up and it keeps disappointing you and it keeps discouraging you? And do you want to confess Jesus as your only hope, as your salvation, so that you can have life and life to the full? If you want to make that decision, I'm going to have you do something very bold here. Scripture says, if you confess me here on earth, I will welcome you into the kingdom. You'll be welcomed into the kingdom. So this is what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you would like to make a decision to follow after Jesus, I'm going to ask you to stand right now in front of your peers. Be bold. Stand. Thank you. No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I want to be really clear. If, if you want to make a confession to follow after Jesus, just please stand. Again, this is for people who have never made a decision to follow Jesus. It's okay. Yep, that's all right. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. Shh. Okay. Why don't you pray with me? Those of you who are standing, you can just pray quietly. Father God, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I admit that I need saving. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I will live in eternity with him forever. Amen. Real quick, uh, why doesn't everybody stand up real quick?
Just stay standing where we don't need to talk. I got, I got some other stuff I want to talk about. <laughs> um, some of you stood, and then you sat back down. Um, here's what I want to say about that. Maybe some of you realizing this week that you've been faking it, right? Maybe that's why you stood, because you're like, I've I just been playing a game. And I really want to confess Jesus and live for him. That's called repentance. If you've made a commitment to fall after Jesus, scripture says, hey, listen, he sees you. He knows you. He's got your heart. He knows you're going to make mistakes. But you got to stop faking it. So for those of you kids who stood and you sat back down, thank you for doing that. Thank you for making that declaration. That's a declaration that says, I need to repent. I need to and that's standing up in front of all your friends, by the way, too. They're just, they all just like, oh, yeah, that dude, right? Like, that's good. You want that. Saying, I want to be real again. I don't want to fake it anymore, right? Aren't we tired of just, like, people, we talked the last lesson, just faking it, fake, fake Christianity, right? Aren't we kind of done with that? That's kind of silly. Like, if Jesus laid down his life, how silly is it that we play these games? Like, no, 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 no. If, if he laid down his life, right, what Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Listen to this. I don't live anymore. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. So maybe it's time to live that way now. So I'm going to ask you to repent, to pray a prayer of repentance. Just quietly in your heart, I'll lead you through it. And maybe some of you who didn't stand, you want to pray this. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, please forgive me. I've been faking it. You say to be in the world but don't be of the world, and I'm just telling you, I've been of the world. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you that your love and your mercy covers those sins, and that I'm made white as snow before you, Heavenly God. I make a commitment to you today to stop faking it, to move forward in what you've called me to do as a son and daughter of the Most High God. And everybody said? Amen. Now, here's the cool thing that we get to do. Christians get a bad gig, okay? And here's the gig we get. We're boring, right? Just we're boring. We don't celebrate. We don't know how to party, right? But here's what happens. When people come to know Jesus, all of heaven throws a, a party. And so we're just going to worship tonight, and we're going to party a little bit. Are y'all ready to party? Are y'all ready to party and sing? Let's sing this out loud. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.